I want to share something. What are we praying about today? Spreading. Yeah. I was says wherever they went, they were preaching the gospel. And the reason why the church is so weak, I don't mean courage, body of Christ, we are losing impact and losing effect is because the strength of the church has to do with the message of the church. A messageless church is a weak church. A church that looks like the world cannot change the world. A church that is shaped according to culture cannot have impact on the culture because Jesus said, if a salt loses its saltiness, for what you shall it be? I think I've forgotten what it is, but Luke something, verse 34 or so. I think, no, it can't be Luke 10. Somewhere there. 34, 35. So, if we are going to spread the revival and the message of Christ, we don't want to become victims, fall victim to trying to appeal to the taste of man. So, when I look at you, 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 you want a husband. So I begin to tailor me God's word around husbandry <laughs> or husbandness. And if I come and talk to you about husbandness, it sounds very appealing. So if this is an, is an easier way to get a husband, why won't you embrace it? And then you hear a testimony about how she got a husband within three weeks. This one got within six months. This, and you for four years, you've been struggling for a husband. Why won't you buy this advert? This salesmanship is phenomenal. So many of us get into church because of what we are looking for. And churches are being raised, built on messages like that. So messages have been tailor-made to suit the carnal instincts, the the, uh, mundane desires, fleshly appeals, and narcissistic tendencies of men. We are appealing to what you love and what your flesh is looking for. And so we have become We look more like agents of Satan. (laughs) Behind the God, behind the puppets. Because what your flesh has got, what your flesh craves for, God has not got it. You didn't hear what I'm saying? Take notes of the statements I'm making. What the flesh wants, God has not got it. God cannot feed your flesh. Oh, with God, all things are possible. No, it's not possible for him to feed your flesh because he hasn't got what your flesh has got the taste for. Satan and the world has it in abundance. So he has to always repackage it to make an appeal to what your tastes are. So... You cannot trap a 
Yeah, we don't even trap cats. And <laughs> you can you can't, you cannot. I've tried to like sheep. You can't appeal meat. You can't use meat to appeal to sheep or to a goat. Meat. No, it doesn't even have the teeth. No, they don't like it. They don't. Or you use you want to use salad to entice a dog. <laughs> Some dogs like salad. Is <laughs> that vegetarian dogs? <laughs> You see what I'm talking about? And God has given you, do dogs eat salad? No. What? How about cats? Most of you. Have you owned a cat before? You haven't owned a cat before, so. You have owned a cat before. Cats, though. Oh, did you know? I've owned a cat before, yeah. Huh? They eat. Cats. They eat grass. Once in a while, no, my friend, my friend. Ma Gadasha. Bible says that the lion shall eat grass. Okay, let's use that one then. <laughs> in Isaiah, Isaiah, I think chapter 11 or so, he says the lion shall eat grass. That's, that's in the millennium. All right, so now listen. You want to entice a lion and to get the attention of lions into your territory. You live in the wild and you want to go and get them. And you go and plant special grass in your house so that lions can come and eat and then you have a trap, they'll fall into it. Listen, if you are going to get win uh, maybe Grammy or Oscar or something, a special award for that, you should know that if they give you grass to go and attract and entice lions, you have, you have lost it, you missed it. Yeah. Like you go and take um, a very old woman Everything is gone in her mouth. She looks like she's dying tomorrow, very old, 80 something. And then you bring her to this gentleman. No, no, it, it won't work. If you want to tempt him, don't use that kind of person. I had a story about a, 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 a very rich man who was, is, I think, in his, I think, 40s or 50s there, about, but. He, was, he wasn't exercising, so he was not feeling well. And he went to see his doctor. His, doctors, his doctor told him that what you need is exercise. He said, but sometimes I can't do it. I'm not fit enough. No, sometimes when you, exercise, you want to exercise, laziness won't permit you. They said, don't worry. Since you have a lot of money, we'll, we'll help you. So they said, uh, we are going to send a trainer to your house. The man, I think he's a bit old, in the 60s, so he's not strong enough. But they said, we are going to send a trainer, personal trainer to your house. And when he comes, we will show you what to do. So he was happy. He said, they said, this works. So as he waited, the morning, the bell rang. And guess who, who shows up? A very pretty young lady 
in some hot shows or battle riders. And when you say, when you see her, you can't sleep. She's a trainer. And the woman came. And that man likes women. And the woman came. And she, he saw the legs in her. And he started going. But the man started going like this. I said, oh, are you are my trainer. He was very happy. He said, what's the deal? He said, I'm going to be running in a big house. I'm just going to be running. If you can catch me, you can have me. The man said, I think that's a good idea. Ready? Let's go. The man. But the woman is fit. This man was meant to be running. And then he would be tired. And the woman slows down. He was never. So she would come every day. Every day. Now when the woman. When the man was becoming a bit more fit. After three weeks. A bit more fit. To get the woman. Then the, after three weeks they changed the woman. And guess what they brought? They brought a very old woman with some strange face she would like and, and and she was wearing some bikini or something and they said but you are too weak how can you and the woman said I'm now going to run after you if I catch you I'm going to have <laughs> so the man had to always run for his life Within three weeks, he became very fit. <laughs> you can't. So, if you are, if you want to entice the man to be running after a woman, and you take this old woman, it will work. Your business will crush. Do you see, see what I'm saying? Yeah. McDonald's, if you want your McDonald's and fast food, like McDonald's and um, Nathaniel is not here, those names. <laughs> Hot wings, yeah, you should know more. You. <laughs> Molly's. Chicken Cottage. KFC, Chicken, uh, what? Dixie. Dixie's. What else? Golden Grill. Huh? It's in Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> Which are, you see, you see those, those stuff. If you want to start a business like that, McDonald's, and you want to do well, please, for goodness sake, don't go and pitch your tent in a very expensive, posh area. They don't eat those kind of food. No, you have to break, come to Peckham. East Street. Ah! Brixton. You do, that's why in the center of Brixton, Peckham, you have to pitch it there. When you go to uh, uh, Mayfair, no, you don't, you don't find it in Mayfair. They, they are not in some places. Around Bishop's Avenue and those places, you know, you don't find those kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you want your business to do well, you have to stay, take your business to where people like. And then God has given us a business calling saving the soul. So souls are like lions. And he has given us grass. So the church is trying to change our grass and put meat around the grass. <laughs> meat around the grass. So, because we are, and the grass is virtually finishing, and we are actually cultivating more rabbits so that we can attract the lions. And we say, when they come, 
we will give them grass eventually. But they are coming and we, re we really now, they came, we, really, we realized that let's find a way to keep them, entertain them. So to keep them, let's also keep, but we don't realize that it's a nature thing, not nature. You can't nurture a lion to like grass because his nature doesn't take grass. So you have brought unbelievers in church thinking that after some time they will like the gospel. They don't. And we are changing church services to suit the whims, the taste of human flesh. Thinking, let's do this so we can get the youth coming. They will come and sleep with all your girls. <laughs> you are preaching, and after you preach, they start kissing at the door. There are people here after church, they are going to have sex with people they are not married to. Yeah. If you do, some of you have been doing that. You go and they squeeze your breast. After such a message, you go and then you are squeezing somebody's breast and kissing her and pulling her tongue out of her mouth. Oh! Ragamuffin! <laughs> Some of you think I'm telling stories. I'm not telling. I'm telling. I'm not telling stories. There are practical fornicators here. We brought people to church who are not interested in Christ and His message. We don't understand why they are. They can't be bothered. You don't have any squams or worry about nonsense bullcutting. <laughs> you don't have worry. You, you, you don't see anything wrong with it because you are not changed. You are by nature, by nature, an unbeliever and an object of wrath and potential candidate of hell. That's why Nothing cuts to your heart, cuts your heart. You haven't changed. You come to church as soon as you arrive, you begin to look at the girl's bums and to see who you, whose bum look very um, juicy for the next bow cut. Yeah, the bow, next bow cut candidate. And you want, you want to make our girls vulnerable in your hands. Oh, you are a dangerous person with a rattlesnake. You are a killer. <laughs> Repent. Bible says that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those that, that perish. But to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. We have never been called and God has never had a desire to appeal to fallen human beings. Because God cannot appeal to the flesh of man. He doesn't have what it takes. And the message we have been given to preach is the message that appeals to the called. Appeals to the heart of the one who is lost and is looking and God is looking for him. And God knows he wants to give you the ability to say, yes, Lord, I want to receive you. So the potency and the strength of a church has to do with, with the purity of the message of the cross or better still, 
the purity of the gospel in the church. So I realized that if we're going to be spreading the gospel effectively, we must know what the gospel is. And we must know certain aspects of what this whole Christian thing is about. Number one, today I'm actually hoping I can attempt to talk to you not about the love of God, but the wrath of God. Many people don't know that God is angry. That's why you keep cutting the, the, the bone. Yeah. You don't know you are dealing with an angry God. And all you know is John 3.16. They have misrepresented God to you. Because every coin has two sides. And it doesn't matter how thin you slice a thing, it will always have two sides. We have a wrong perspective, wrong perception, wrong revelation about this God. Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, him who is forgiven much also loves much. Ah, my God. Read it. Luke 7, 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Mm. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. The one who doesn't see a big deal about what is wrong with your life, and eventually being in church, your love for God is usually questionable, or your love for God is always conditional based on what you think he's doing for you, based on the things he's supplying for you. But some of us who, who know that we are agents of wrath, we don't deserve, that's why sometimes when people are bad, like gang, gangsters, and they really change, you, you can tell. They are preaching everywhere because they have seen how they didn't deserve it. And yet God in his mercy has let them off the hook. So, I think the true gospel will just help you to realize the stench and how um, 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 vile by nature you are. You are naturally vile. We are naturally rotten human beings. Like yesterday, I was trying to explain if they should bring a special type of computer to get into your heart and then they project everything that has been in your heart for the past days, most of us will be very ashamed. You will beg, even though you know others to have done it, you just don't want anyone to know what you have done, even though others have done the same and thought the same and planned the same and desired the same and wish. Even just today, the things that you have, you have desired if we should connect a special type of computer to your heart and God projects it for everyone to watch it, I don't think you show up. Again, you leave London. Yeah, you run away. That's how sick human beings are. And yet, God in his mercy. That's why last week I spoke about mercy. God in his mercy had to do something about your condition. Because we were trying to get to heaven. Religion said, let's try and get to God. 
Let's try and get to God and get him to like what we are doing. We tried, we can't get. So God said, no, I'm going to count on myself. Because you can't get to me, I have to come to you. You can't go to the Buckingham Palace. No, you can't go. You must be invited. And even there are some places you can't go. So they have to come to you. Like someone, the reason why we have ambulance is because this is an emergency. The person can't get there. Can't get there, so we need the, a version of the hospital to come to them. To help them and now, if possible, take them to heaven. So Jesus came just in a very mild way, if I can, like a paramedic. So don't think you are okay. Sin has broken everything down about you. You are practically dying. Your brains have stopped working. It's left with about 10% of 3% of your brain working. Your heart is, everything is gone. You are not conscious. Then he said, when you are dead in our sins, after you are dead, Jesus Christ came and made you alive. So you don't ever think you are so special. Just as I said yesterday, Jesus didn't die for you because you are special. He died for you because your sin is so bad. Your sin is so bad and something just had to be done about it through mercy. So stop making yourself the center. It's not you. God actually wanted to do something with your life. So he said, okay, let me die for you so I can get you and start using you. It's not because he wants to do something else for you. He has done everything. He saved us from our sins. You who were a sinner, only qualified to burn in the hottest part of hell. Don't forget, you were very bad. Even though you look nice, you are doing nice things, fundamental. You, people don't know you. You even used to fear yourself. Because if you were left to be by yourself, the things you could do. Makoto Shakataya. Today you are sitting in a. If God was a God of. If it wasn't His mercy. As soon as you sat on the chair, it must turn into spikes and sword. Fierce you and clamp you. Judge <laughs> you. You should. What if you look at who you originally are? You shouldn't even be qualified to sit in a chair on, at, in a church. When people have come and called in the name of God, what are you doing there? You. But because of his mercy. Abraham asked God a question, which was a very serious question. Abraham asked God a question in Genesis chapter 19, verse 25. Him whom is forgiving much. You are forgiving much, but most of the time, if you don't think you have been forgiving much, and you think, oh, it's just that, you know, I didn't know better, you don't take it seriously, you don't appreciate God very well. Read it. Genesis 19, 25. And he overthrew those cities and all the plains. I'm sorry, 18. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, please. 1825. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and, the, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. 
that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I heard a theologian giving this illustration where you go home, maybe you are from school or something, you go home and somebody has come to your house and murdered your entire family. And you see, you saw him squeezing the blood out of your little sister after killed about, God forbid. You saw him doing it. And you managed to wrestle him down and tie the hands. And because you wanted the law to take its course, you called 999 and the police came and arrested him. And every evidence is there. There was CCTV show when he came into the house and the, the blood, the police saw him with the blood and then they go to court. And every evidence, his, his, his lawyer came to speak and the, the, the prosecution spoke and then the judge, everything. Um, the judge then looks at him. He said, you know, this guy needs to be in prison for life. Life sentence, we have to give him five life sentences. But you know, I'm a very good man. I, I just feel, I, I, I love people. The judge tells you, I, I love people, you know, I love people. And I don't, I don't want to mess up his life, so I think I, I will let you go. <laughs> but, but I thought you said, I thought you said, God should be fair. Why should he send people to hell? I thought you said God is fair, so you shouldn't send people to hell. God, if God is loving, why is he not? Why is he sending people to hell? If God is loving, why must he send people to hell? Go to court and tell that judge you are loving. Don't sentence the man. Don't sentence the guilty. Because he's a good man, he should let a guilty person go free. His goodness even necessitates that he should give him the appropriate commensurate, corresponding punishment. Don't tell him no, you should give him community service who has murdered people and doesn't even feel anything about it. God calls God the righteous judge. So Abraham said, would the judge of all the earth not do right? Judges are supposed to do right. You haven't done what it's, it's required to be able to meet the justice of God. You haven't done it. So why must he declare that you are righteous? There's something wrong then with God's sense of justice. Are you not getting? Lawyer, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And then when you read Proverbs, it makes it even very worrying. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17. Proverbs 15, 17 makes it even very worrying. Read it. Where you get it? Read it because of my time. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stock. No, is it 15? 15, 17. 17, 15. I got it wrong. I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 15. He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, 
Even they both are abomination to the Lord. Abomination is a very strong word. Distasteful. How? How can you justify the wicked? And how can you condemn someone who is innocent? He said, both of them, the one who is condemning an innocent man and the one who is acquitting a, a wicked criminal, they are both distasteful. So then, if you are a criminal in the justice of heaven, why would God, who knows that it is abomination to declare a guilty person righteous, go ahead and do it for you and still remain just? He can't be just once he does that. So your condition puts God in a compromising state. But he can't compromise. He can't compromise. He can't tell you that because he's a bank manager and he loves you, the debt you owe, don't worry, forget about it. The money is not, it's for the company. <laughs> I can't write off your debt because he likes you. That's a, a quack person. That's fraudulent. He must lose his job immediately. He's a dodgy, dodgy bank manager. Why are you giving your friends? Can, can, you, as soon as you were employed as a, the manager of the bank, you entered the account system and you got all the names of your friends and you said, oh, I'm a good person, so let me just cancel it. You have to be arrested. Professional malpractice. Some of us haven't realized how sinful. Did I tell you that God is angry? What is he angry about? Remember, for God so loved the world. But John chapter, um, Psalm 5, verse 5, look at it. Oh, God so loved. God is he's so loving. You can mess up and he still understands. He understands? Your dreams. He understands what? Because you enjoyed it. Is it lip cut? I've forgotten the name of that thing. Lick up. Is it lick up? Bow cut. You enjoyed your bow cut so you think he should understand? <laughs> You know what Bokat is? How did you know? I thought you were a minister. <laughs> How did you know? Um, I grew up in South London, Daddy, so I know all of those things. Oh, really? What is that? It's when a man goes down. That's okay. <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> and yeah. He said, when a man travels south. <laughs> Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> when a man travels south. <laughs> a journey to the South Pole. Have you embarked on some of those journeys before? <laughs> they are south. South Pole expedition this year. They, they, they are called, they, they used to be. <laughs> Psalm 5, verse 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Mm -hmm. 
Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Eh, eh, wait, wait. Thou what? Who does God hate? All workers of iniquity. He hates them. He hates them. All workers of iniquity. Look at chapter, chapter Psalm, Psalm 11 verse 5. We shouldn't mute the anger of God, the wrath of God, from a gospel. And only emphasize on the love of God. Shut up. We emphasize on the love of God so much so people think they are, they are the objects, they are the important, the important ones, the special ones. They are the criminals. If a criminal finds yourself in God's house and God has forgiven you, every day you don't struggle to kneel down when we are even worshiping. Say, God, I'm grateful. Because you haven't seen how vile you used to be. That's why you are still toying with sin. Because the church has muted the anger of God, the wrath of God from the gospel. Psalm 11 verse 5. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. God's soul hates. Some of you ladies hate some type of men. Some types of men who cheat on women and they don't respect you and, and hate women. You hate them with passion. You hate. And some of you have been in the, some of you ladies have been in the hands of so many different men. Now you actually at core hate men. Because of them foolish guys you were with. They have tainted us in your eyes. You think that we are all like that. You think we are all cutters. What's it called? (laughs) So you come to church, we shake your hands. You think that this is another potential bow cutter. Leave me alone. That's how dangerous it is. For brothers in church, when someone gets born again, gets to church, you foolishly start sleeping with them. Or sisters in church, the young guy has come to church to come and look for God, and you begin to hunt him with your bum and your cleavage. You stink. You think when men are dancing around about your hips and your lips and fingertips is because you are special. No, no, no. Even the more you show them and they uh, admire, they, <laughs> and you, you realize you like it, they are saying, yeah, they are, that's a fool. That's a fool. No man values a woman who is just available. No. Yeah, come on. Why would you go to a party and then after people finish using their disposable cups, you collect it, take to your house. What are we going to do with disposable cups in your house? It's already used. <laughs> yeah. Used item. Disposable. Everybody can just use it and just uh, dump you. Even Uber. Uber is better. Some of you didn't know. Because your mother, your auntie, Aunties were no good example. 
you saw your mother with different people coming in and going out. So you think that's how it is. Nothing proper was modeled to you, but thank God for church. God hates sinners. But for God so loved the world that he, for God hates sinners. And they tell you that there's another version of a gospel people are preaching. That no, 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 no. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sins. So he's going to throw the sins in hell. It is sinners who are going to go to hell. Sinners. Don't underestimate God's wrath. That's what I'm talking about. The anger of God. Luke 3, 7. Matthew 3, 7. John 3, 36. Romans 2, 8. Romans 2, 5. Romans 4, 15. <laughs> You see why it's good? I can't remember the finger licking. Is it what? Is it, what's it called? Yeah. I have to remember the scriptures. Why should I remember finger cutting? Is this called something cutting or whatever? More cutting. I can't be, I can't be bothered. I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. <laughs> Let's start with Matthew. Matthew 3, 7. But when he saw... You brute of vipers! That's how he addressed human beings. The greatest prophets in the Bible. Read it. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? To flee from what? The wrath to come. There's wrath coming. And when they came to his church, that is the message. He called them generation of vipers, snakes. Was wanting to flee. The same thing, Matthew, Luke 3 7. Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be multitude baptized of him. To, eh? to be baptized of him. They were coming to be baptized of him. John the Baptist. These people go, please baptize me. He said, You! You! Because you are just coming for baptism, but you have not changed. You are just coming for church meetings and you are retaining that girl. You are retaining that boy and you don't have intentions to change. That, that, that um, um, sin partner, your partner in crime, you are happy with him. You are happy with him. You just want to come to church just to massage your religious, religious conscience for me to tell you you are so special. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God's wrath is after you. Change! Repent! Repent! The next time you are logging up to the pornographic side, remember, the wrath of God is coming. 
You are breaking the wrath of God because God is a holy God. It's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. God has got wrath. People think he's just a God of love. That's why they say, oh, if he, he's merciful, he's merciful. I haven't still explained how he can justify you, a criminal. Because you have, there's no amount of works you can do to clean up your acts. What you deserve is sentencing. So what's, what, what, what are we going to do? Let's finish the wrath business. Um, John, John 3.36. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. Ah. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Can you imagine? God has got wrath. He says that if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. They, they, they tell you that, oh, but why do you believe that it's only Christ? It's only through Jesus we should be saved. Hey, where did you, oh, you know, other people to work in. How about those who live in Saudi Arabia and they've never heard the gospel? You don't think about your mercy sin and be questioning God what his plan are for them. And you, you think you are that intelligent. That should have made you not be in that mess you are in. If you are that intelligent. I think sometimes it's good for us to assess who we actually are. Before you start advising the government, you can't even keep a job, but you want to advise the prime minister how to run a country. Oh, come on. You have failed all your exams. And you want to advise the principal or the chancellor of the university or the dean of the faculty, minister of education, of education high school. You who can't even pass... Even just the practical, the theory test, drivers, driving test, the theory, you can't even pass that one. Academically blunt and dull and daft. <laughs> and yet you think I'm smart, you know, if I was the minister of education, excuse me. Are you, are you getting the logic? You want to God said, if you don't believe in Christ, the wrath of God is already on you. you. The wrath of God, you are the object of his wrath. He's angry. Coming in Christ spares you and acquits you. On what grounds? I'll explain it. And is someone appreciating the gospel? I just want you to see how much God has done for you because of your precarious or particularly bad state, you couldn't help yourself. He's done everything possible to help you. When they were piercing him and they nailed his hands on the cross, we are not saved because they just nailed him on the cross. We are saved because of the judgment of God that was supposed to come on you having all emptied on him on the cross. So once you come in him, he, he covers you. You are covered. The wrath is on him. So what happened on the cross was God venting out. It's like so, 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 so humanists say that that's human abuse. You have abused somebody's rights because how do you come home from work, you are very upset with your wife and you start kicking the dog. If God is upset with you, why must he punish Christ? Why must he 
punish Christ when he's upset with you? Christ hasn't done anything. And Christ said, no, I want to take it. Because you can't take it. You can't take it. And yet Christ was so perfect, he lived a perfect life, never did anything wrong, met all the standards of the law. And we broke all the law at all points. And he met all of them at all points. So when he finished meeting the law, now he went and died for you who have broken it to, be, to die. He who was innocent carried the guilt of the, the one who is guilty. So he swapped your place. In fact, he puts it this way. He said, we knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, we'll come to the wrath. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, I think it's good to start from the verse 10 because verse 10 talks about something interesting, then we go to verse 11. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Read it, please. For we must all appear before the judgment. How many of us? How many of us? Quiet. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man, everyone. Every man, everyone. We, all of us, you inclusive. You think I'm going on your behalf? No. I can't be going on the behalf of my children. Nobody can. We are all. They are almost to appear. My God. I didn't even finish 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man, everyone may receive the things done in his body <laughs> according to that he see, has see done. See what you are doing in your body? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's, not, it's very nice to see you. Welcome. God bless. But can you imagine the things you have done in your body? We will stand before and you will receive judgment based on what you have done. Look at the verse 11. That's where I was going actually. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. No, knowing what? The terror of the Lord. <sighs> because many people don't know the terror of the Lord. They are toying. And knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. Persuade you. Trying to persuade people, please. This God has an angry side. Angry side. Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Knowing therefore the terror of God, we persuade men. Please re reconcile. Hey, Romans 2, 8, 5, and then we go to Romans 2, 8. Then we go, we'll come, I think I would like us to end on Romans 9. It's Romans 5, 9. But before we come back to Romans 5, 9, let's go to Ephesians 2, 3. Ephesians um, 5, verse, is it verse 6? I'll get you now. And then we go to Colossians 3, 6. Then we go to 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. Then we go to Revelations 14, 10. <laughs> All right, let's go to Romans. Romans 2. Romans 2, 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and dost the same, thou, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? 
He said, do you think you can do this and escape the judgment of God? When you read some translation, it says, the wrath of God. Romans 2, 5. Romans 2, 8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. He said, those people who are not obeying the truth, wrath is coming their way. God has wrath. God has wrath. All right. Um, what did I say the next one is? No, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 3. Ephesians 2, 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, what even were we? as others. Were by nature the children of wrath. What were we? By nature. The anger of God was on us. By nature. That's what we were before we came to Christ. So God is angry. It's not only for God so loved that God loves. God hates too. God only doesn't love. He hates. He said to the Nicolaitans, eh, sorry, to the Ephesus church, you hate the Nicolaitans, which, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Revelation 2.6. So God hates stuff. And some of the chief Top of what he hates is sinners. There's a great revivalist called Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. He wrote a book, the, the Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Try and find that on Amazon and read it. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It's amazing. Ephesians 5.6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You see, the wrath of God is coming upon some people. Do you want to be part of that? You can't stand it all. God is angry with you. If America is angry with a nation, they don't want it. And God Almighty. This why it's not like the mayor of London is angry with you. It's not like your local MP is angry with you. It's not like your boss is angry with you. And it's not like the prime minister is angry with you. God Almighty. Knowing therefore the terror of God, we persuade men. <laughs> the gospel tells that if you preach the gospel, you must know that man is people who don't believe, they are already under the wrath of God. Colossians 3, 6. We'll be running up. I think it's, it's okay. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. See, the wrath of God is coming on who? The children of disobedience. Yeah. We are by nature children of wrath. The wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. Colossians 1, 10. So, oh, sorry. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, 
which delivered us from the wrath to come. Did you see that? So Jesus now, Jesus plays a major role here. He delivered us from the wrath to come. Those of us in Christ, are you here with me? Those of us in Christ have been delivered from the wrath to come. So being in church is not about being nice and trying to sit down for someone to preach to you or something. No, being a Christian is someone who has been delivered from the coming wrath. That's what John the Baptist asked the people, brood, brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Because of my time, let me cut down the text and let's go to Romans. Let's leave Revelation. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 9. I think you will like that one. Romans 5, 9. Wait, let everybody open to your Bible, Romans. If you don't know where Romans is, lift your hand, I can show you. Romans. Romans. The way you like Romans, you should find Romans easily in the Bible. <laughs> you found it? Yes. Found it? Are you learning something at all? Is it not amazing? Now, people's, people's voice is gone. People's voices are gone. It's amazing. Repent. Repentance is necessary for your peace of mind. Why, have we, why, why, why has the church gone silent on the message of repentance? That's the first thing Jesus Christ said. Jesus' first message, the Bible said that he came preaching the kingdom of God, telling men, repent! So, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mark 1, I think 17. He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and telling men, repent! For the kingdom. When the guys asked Peter, Bible says when Peter preached all these things, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, they were cut to their heart and they asked, men and brethren, what shall we say? Peter said, verse 38, repent and be converted for the remission of sins. Because that's what, repentance is not like, okay, I just changed my mind. Your heart, your heart's condition must change. You will never go to that boy again. Some of us have not repented. You haven't repented. That's why you find it easy to pick quarrels with everybody in church and you have your own self. You are filled with yourself. And you have not repented. You have not repented. And I, I was thinking of maybe I should rather preach on the fear of God. You don't fear God. That's why you can lie. And a, a, God will be preaching a message from the pulpit and you know this is genuine from God and your heart is blocked and hardened heart. I can't be bothered. When I'm going, I'm going to still kiss her anyway. I'm going to die. I can't be bothered. You don't fear God. You don't, I don't know you are doing it, but he knows you are doing it. He knows what you are hiding. And he, he loves you to help you. So that tomorrow you can say, I didn't know you will punish me this way. I know what somebody's thinking. Maybe today I shouldn't have come. God planned this with you in mind. Because to him, Bible says in Acts 17:30, in the days of ignorance, God went. In other words, he turned a blind eye because he didn't know much. But now commands every man everywhere to repent. So when you hear a message from God, what God is expecting from you is to repent. Change your position. Change your disposition. Don't say it doesn't really matter. You know, that, that kind of, non, uh, it's demonic. 
They have branded it under um, um, psychological help. And see, what the, some things are at the core, they are destroying your life, and they say it's just a psychological situation. So we don't call it sin again, we call it oh, human error. Oh, it's, it's, it's human weakness. Hey! Repent. Change your ways. If you appreciate how God has done everything to rescue you. Listen, Jesus did not rescue us from Satan. Okay? He didn't save us from Satan. No, no, no. Satan himself needs judgment. Jesus didn't save us from Satan. He's died with, the salvation is not from Satan. It's from the wrath of God. Satan being angry with you and God being angry with you. Which one will be worse? Yeah. And God's wrath. And Jesus came to pay the price. Say, Lord, have mercy. Father, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. He cried on the cross. At a certain instance, heaven turned his face away from Jesus. And Jesus said, forsaking me. That's what he dreaded. That's why when he was praying in the garden, he said, if it's your will, let this cup not happen. But not, what was it? What's the cup? The fact that for the first time, the father would turn his face away from the son. The son could not afford to miss the presence of the father. So he, and that's what killed him on the cross. He, he died through broken heart. He died through broken heart. There's not my time to explain it to you. It wasn't the sword that killed him. He died prematurely. But they were surprised he died so quickly. It is when the father was separated, he couldn't take it. And he was stressed. And his heart was broken. Ah! And he gave up the ghost. Because God doesn't play with sin. So as soon as sin came on Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, he turned his face away from him. How do you think that you can keep sin? And he'll be kissing your cheeks. Tell somebody, you got to repent, boy. <laughs> what did I say there? Romans. <laughs> Yeah, look at it and let's, let's try and wrap it up. Read it for me. Romans 5, 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Much more than being what? Say justified. justified. Tomorrow I was thinking of what was I going to teach on? Did I say it earlier? Oh, tomorrow I, I, I was planning on sharing something. Not justified. It was, um, um, oh, how can I forget it? Okay, I remember. We are much more being justified by his blood. That's a strong statement. Read it again. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from what? So you see, the coming wrath, how do we escape it? We escape it through Jesus Christ. We are saved from the coming wrath. We, and we escape it 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 3, and I'm done. Romans 3, from 21 all the way to 26. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All human beings. Let me tell you something. Um, Abraham. See, when Adam sinned, this is just funny one. I, I need you to get this, okay? Do you have time for this? When Adam sinned, God told him that don't, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, is that the day you eat of this fruit, you will die. Because as soon as you disobey God, the wrath of God has been activated. Sin activates the wrath of God. I think that's a good tweetable one. Sin activates the wrath of God. Activates. It, it invokes. It invokes the wrath of God, the judgment of God. So as soon as Adam did it, he activated the wrath of God. And you know what the serpent did? He stood aside. <laughs> because he knows that God is coming to judge them and kill them. God has come. Yes, he's a judge. These guys have sinned. Kill them now. <laughs> but he didn't know that the, the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the earth. So when God was supposed to come, and execute judgment. He held judgment and rather preached the gospel. And when he preached the gospel, Adam believed. And Noah, he was also as sinful as all the rest, but Noah escaped because he believed. Abraham, no, Abraham was an idol worshiper. Read your Bible. Idol worshiper. So how come he became? Because he believed. What did he believe? He believed in the promise of God that the, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. They believed it. David, adulterer, he believed it. So Old Testament prophets were believing. Old Testament saints, they all believed in the promise of God by faith. So Bible calls it, can I show you in the Bible? In Romans chapter 4, verse 13, it talks about, sorry, verse 15, it talks Okay, it's 15. It talks about the righteousness of God. Apart from the Lord, let's start from verse 14. Read it quickly for me. Romans chapter 4 from verse 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where, the, where no law is, there is no transgression. Watch this. When the law came, it actually is bringing the wrath of God because the law said, don't do this, and you have broken the law. Do you know that if there's no speed limits and speed restrictions like the autobahn, no police can stop you for overspeeding. As soon as they put, uh, yes, if there's no line on the road, yellow line, red line, you can park and no one can give you a, a ticket. Unless it's the area. That, but if there's nothing like that, no. As soon as they bring double yellow, oh no. They did to us some time ago in Peckham. Peckham, right. Double, double, and they put cameras. Because of we, the Nigerians and the Ghanaians, we will park anywhere. When we see that 
not knowing that when you park, now they didn't need a traffic warden. They also install camera. They it got people like ants. But why? Why do you say I've broken the law because you know the law? But if there's no law, there's no judgment. All right. So actually, the law was bringing wrath. So when the law is supposed to help you to do well, you are so crooked. We were so crooked that the law is actually bringing the wrath of God because we actually now sin more. Read it again. Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. There's no trans- you haven't broken the law when there's no law. So when the law came right down, we begin to transgress. Go on. Therefore, it is of faith. Oh, because of that, you can be righteous by law. Because human beings are fundamentally flawed. Whatever you do, the law will catch you. So therefore, if you have to be called righteous in the sight of God, it shouldn't be through the law. It must be by faith. And that's how Abraham got away. That's how Abraham was declared righteous. By faith. Not he believed in the promise of God. Abraham believed in the promise of God of the Messiah. So he was declared righteous, not by law. Read it again. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Every, the promise, no, refers verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but... So when you read it, you realize that I think there's even verse 4, verse 3 talks about Romans, verse 3, I think somewhere there, it talks about how um, um, if, if they pay you based on what you have done, it's not a gift. It's debt they pay you. But if you have not worked and it's given to you, then it's a gift. That's how grace is. What you haven't worked for is given to you. You understand? So that you don't, you don't sleep. It's given to you. Finish it, finish it. Romans, Romans 4, 3, uh, four, sorry, 4, 3. Four, start from 4, 3. For what saith the scripture? Mm-hmm. Abraham believed God and it was, a, it was counted unto him for Re- righteousness. Regina, you see? Abraham believed God and watch this. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. So this righteousness was not a doing-based righteousness, but a believing-based righteousness. So he just believed the promise of God, and God said, you got it. You are righteous in my sight. Read it. Go ahead. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace. So if they pay you, you are not doing you a favor. Mm. You are working, they are paid. But the one who has not paid, he has not worked, and they are giving you that is favor. Read it. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. (laughs) But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Hey! Him that does what? Oh, come on. I need to stop. I need to end. My time is up. Oh, you are too hungry and tired. He he believes in him who does what? Justifies what? He justifies who? judge justify a criminal on what grounds how can God pronounce and declare 
a criminal just. And he says that God justifies, watch, watch, watch. if you want to justify somebody, at least justify someone who is doing right. How can you justify the ungodly? Is that not what your Bible said? You are believing in the one who justifies the ungodly. Not because you have done everything right, but you have believed right. That's what Abraham did. If you can believe in the one who justifies the ungodly, and so then it's grace. Read it. Finish. Don't start. Read it from where you stopped. His faith is counted for righteousness. Ah! What is righteousness? You have right standing with God. There's no problem between you and God. He said, you didn't do anything, but because you believed in God who justifies ungodly, that believing, that faith is accounted as this is righteousness. So, back to what I was saying, Noah, Abraham, David, all of them were declared righteous on the same, how were they declared righteous? By faith in the promise of God. How are we declared righteous? By faith in the promise of God. There's no way anyone can be declared righteous in the sight of God outside of believing the promise of God. And what's the promise of God? Jesus dying for our sins. So how were Abraham and the rest saved? By believing in Christ. And how are we also saved? By believing. They look forward, as I said yesterday, they look forward to the coming of Christ. They look forward for their justification. And we too, we look back to the same thing. So that's the center. We all are saved by the same way, by grace through faith in Christ. Saved from what? Not from the devil. Tell my superstitious brethren that we are not saved from the devil. We have saved from the wrath of God. Wrath of God. Say the wrath of God. How can God justify someone who is who is guilty? How can he do that and still remain righteous? I think I'll 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 leave that and continue it tomorrow. I think it's a good idea to continue it tomorrow. This message is not for everybody, it's for people who God has selected. God chose you to be here today because He needed to show you mercy. And he needs you to repent. You have stayed in this mess too long. Repent. Oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus.